Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, my friends, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. As always, I am your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest once again, Dorchester native Paul Stewart, former professional ice hockey player and referee, inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame in 2018. He officiated over 1,000 regular season games, 49 playoff games, 1987 Canada Cup, 1991 Canada Cup, two All-Star games, never wore a helmet during his officiating career, cancer survivor, uh, judicial and discipline consultant for the KHL. The man has done it all, and now he has appeared on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, a chat that we will get to here in one moment. Before we get to that, I want to remind you that the podcast can be subscribed to on any podcast app, mostly Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts. Those are the big three for me. Uh, Thank you so much to all who have subscribed. You know that each new episode is uploaded to your feed automatically for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. Like I said, my name is Ian McLaren. I am a former hockey news editor at The Score. I also contributed to various SB Nation hockey sites, including our own Cup of Chowder, Second City Hockey, Fear the Fin, uh, most recently covering junior hockey, and yeah, do marketing by day, which nobody wants to hear about. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren, same on Instagram if you're over there. You can follow the show on Twitter as well, at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Before we get to our chat with Paul Stewart, the big news here as I record Thursday evening is that the NHL has announced four Stanley Cup playoff games scheduled for Thursday and Friday have been postponed after the players on all eight remaining teams in the Toronto and Edmonton bubbles respectively decided not to play as a form of protest against systematic racism and police brutality. I spoke on the podcast yesterday about how The games went on on Wednesday, despite the fact that NBA players, MLB players, WNBA players, MLS players all decided that it was the right thing to do not to play. Um, Today, here on Thursday, as I record, uh, it became clear that various NHL players thought it was the right thing to do for their league to also uh, take a couple days off and... From what I understand, it was spearheaded mostly by the Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights, who are in competition in a second-round playoff series at the moment. And it kind of spread from there. Uh, Some players on the Lightning, the Flyers were involved as well. Uh, The Hockey Diversity Alliance uh, made a formal petition to the NHL to go on pause, and uh, that is what is happening. So uh, full credit to NHL players for stepping up. At first, I kind of thought it was a PR move by the NHL to kind of take heat off of them for not doing it right on Wednesday, but the players have stepped up and uh, 
they're saying the right things, and it's uh, it's very encouraging to see. In a joint statement, the NHL and the PA said, after much discussion, NHL players believe the best course of action would be to take a step back and not play tonight, Thursday, and tomorrow, Friday games as scheduled. The NHL supports the players' decision and will reschedule those four games beginning Saturday and adjust the remainder of the second-round schedule accordingly. That, of course, affects our Boston Bruins, who are scheduled to be in action against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Friday night here tonight for Game 4, a very important Game 4. Since games pushed back two days, I can only assume that game will be played on Sunday, but uh, the schedule has yet to be determined. The NHL postponements come after three NBA playoff games scheduled for Wednesday were postponed. That was a decision spurred by police shooting Sunday of Jacob Blake, a black man in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The WNBA also postponed three games on Wednesday, and there were postponements across Major League Baseball and Major League Soccer. Several NFL teams also canceled practice on Thursday. The NHL and the PA The joint statement also said black and brown communities continue to face real, painful experiences. The NHL and NHLPA recognize that much work remains to be done before we can play an appropriate role in a discussion centered on diversity, inclusion, and social justice. We understand that the tragedies involving Jacob Blake, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others require us to recognize this moment. We pledge to work to use our sport to influence positive change in society. In this moment, The NHLPA and NHL are committed to working to foster more inclusive and welcoming environments within our arenas, offices, and beyond. Players from both the East and Western Conference bubbles appeared on Zoom calls on Thursday evening. In the East, there was Anders Lee, Kevin Shatner-Kirk, James Van Riemdijk, and our own Zdeno Chara, who addressed the media out West. It was an amazing scene as... A whole bunch of players gathered with the likes of Ryan Reeves, Nazem Kadri, and uh, others to uh, just come out and show this great sign of solidarity. It was really amazing to see um, and, uh, yeah, really, really inspiring, to be quite honest. The Bruins released this statement saying, The Bruins are proud of our players for using their platform to bring further attention to a movement that is important to them, our organization, and our game. They all have our unwavering support, and we all work to promote equality and end racism. Again, it would have been nice to see this happen yesterday. My first thought was it's a a day late and a dollar short. But um, to see the scene out west with just so many players gathered together um, to show this sign of solidarity, to stand up, uh, to carry on, what was started by JT Brown, who raised the fist, by Matt Dumba, who raised the fist, by uh, Ryan Reeves, Robin Leonard, Tyler Sagan, Jason Dickinson, who kneeled uh, earlier in the playoffs. Uh, Matt Dumba said, it makes me so proud to be an NHL player and see that this is a player-driven action. Ryan Reeves said, the message coming from a predominantly white league has a very strong impact, and I really agree. It's a, a historic moment for the NHL, and uh, I was more proud of being a hockey fan today than, than perhaps ever, uh, to be quite honest. So uh, good on the players for for driving this bus and for getting th- this rolling. Hopefully 
this is just the beginning that uh, conversations and reflections and postponements turn into real tangible action and that uh, those of you who say keep politics out of sports in my mind uh, basic human rights and ending racism is just a transcendent issue it goes above uh, sports it goes above the Stanley Cup it goes above and beyond um, you know all of us as individuals and pushes us to a greater world and that's what I want for my kids certainly as they get deeper into hockey that's what I want for my community and for the hockey community especially so good on all the players who uh, you know spearheaded this and again hopefully it's just the beginning of, of better days to come for for everyone because that's what it's all about before we move on let's talk for a moment about rockauto.com one reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like your mortgage or food bills why would you choose to spend 30 50 even 100 percent more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership simply go to rockauto.com and see all the amazing car parts that are available to you in their unique and remarkably easy to navigate catalog. They're a family owned business, which I love, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com right now, you can see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. Usually we just brush it off, blame ourselves, or avoid the conversation altogether. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. You can connect with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. Simple, safe, and totally discreet. Just go to roman.com slash NHL today. You can connect with that healthcare professional after doing a free online evaluation. And if you qualify for treatment, Roman will ship it to you with free two day shipping. It's a simple and straightforward and most importantly, discreet process. Go to getroman.com slash locked on NHL today. Again, if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash locked on NHL. Getroman.com slash locked on NHL. Uh, can you maybe start by just uh, kind of talking about how you got into the game of hockey and um, kind of how you transitioned from your playing days to your officiating days as well? Hello, everyone. My name is Paul Stewart. And for many, many years, you were looking at me as the man you love to hate. I was the fellow <laughs> that wore a striped shirt and blew a whistle and Broke half of the hearts in the rink, and the other half were glad to see me until their fates turned the other way when I made a call against their team. Long story short, I'm a fellow from Dorchester, Mass., who improbably had a dream that I was going to play in the National Hockey League after a, a, a usual career of peewee hockey on outdoor rinks in the 50s and 60s. I made it to Groton School from there to the University of Pennsylvania, and then went on to the North American League in 1975. In 76, I was an extra in the movie Slapshot. 
I then was signed by the New York Rangers and became uh, a player uh, with NHL aspirations. Moving along, I jumped to the WHA for two years, played in Cincinnati and Edmonton. And finally, when the WHA folded, I was drafted by the NHL Quebec Nordiques, where I not only got a chance to play hockey and play and fulfill my dreams, playing my first game in my hometown of Boston against the Bruins for the Nordiques, getting a Dorchester cool. hat trick, fighting three Bruins, in fact, four that <laughs> night. Oh, wow. Subsequently, after That's my amazing. career, I became uh, a referee. I coached high school hockey, and my officiating began to take notice of people who suggested that my game was more in tune with the NHL. I got an opportunity to work in the minor leagues, and eventually in just over three years of officiating in, in lower hockey levels and in minor league pro hockey, I was signed and did my first game in the National Hockey League again in Boston with Montreal playing the Bruins. 30 seconds into the match, I disallowed what proved to be the winning goal for the Boston Bruins. What a way to go. Oh, boy. <laughs> I did last, though, and became the first American to not only play in the NHL but become a referee. I'm the first American to referee 1,000 oh, wow. games in the NHL. I survived stage four colon and liver cancer and all the while still officiating while receiving daily chemo treatments. I had a, a big, big bag of injuries. In fact, I once told a doctor my right knee and my right hip, and she said, oh, is that th those have been replaced? I said, doc, those are the only two parts that haven't been operated on. <laughs> and as time runs out in the hourglass, I moved along, became a supervisor of officials, the director of the Boston Bruins Foundation, the director of officiating for ECAC College Hockey. The Russians hired me, and Mr. Putin and Mr. Medvedev brought me to Russia, and I worked oh, wow. as the chairman of the KHL, and then returned home after three years in Moscow and all those other places where Dosvidanya actually means goodbye. I came home and am picking up the pieces in construction, working with Tecta America, the largest roofing company in the U.S. And people say, how do you transition from playing to refereeing to, to roofing? Well, it, Harry Sinnott said that my officiating took the roof off of many buildings and it was only appropriate that <laughs> I put it back on before I leave. That's hilarious. A day like today when we have the remnants of Hurricane Laura and we have all sorts of redness <clears throat> and, and humidity, uh, those injuries that I incurred over 28 years on the ice as a pro, I can feel them. And Yeah, I bet. Through good friends, uh, I'm having the opportunity to use and enjoy the Easy Feeling Wellness products that are CBD uh, stimulated. And I have to tell you that today, being up on several roofs and climbing ladders and walking and doing all the things I needed to do, any of the pain from all of those pucks that hit me those many years ago 
I, I, I actually don't feel the pain. And I thank oh, wow. Easy Feeling Wellness for my opportunity to get back in the game and lead a normal life. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, if you're feeling hungry, I suggest opening up your phone, going to the App Store, downloading DoorDash, and ordering from your favorite local restaurant who no doubt could use your support during this ongoing uh, COVID situation that we have. You've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you. While their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Just open the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Wow, quite a story. And uh, yeah, I know hockey fans all over all over the world have been you know, impacted by, by your, your place in the game. And uh, yeah, you, you refereed in the, the Canada cup, all-star games, uh, all kinds of things. And I know you officiated many playoff games in your career as well. And I'm wondering since we are in the playoffs right now, if you could kind of talk about the difference in an approach to officiating, if there was one between the regular season and the postseason, what, was there uh, situations where, you know, you call the game a bit tighter, you let the guys play a bit more? What what was the difference between officiating in the regular season and in the, in the playoffs? Well, many people who get into officiating make the mistake of trying to be someone that they're not. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare said it best, to thine own self be true. Be yourself. The players will know who you are, and they will react to how you officiate the game. There are only two colors symbolically in the referee's sweater, black and white. There's no gray. So it's yes or no, we or no, da and yet. <laughs> what it comes down to is that as a former player, I translated my feelings as a player into what I would see on the ice. And if it was a play that bothered me and I thought that I would be angry if it happened to me, that's a penalty. If it happened to a teammate and I want to go over and smack the guy in the face that's a penalty and if I was sitting on the end of the bench and watched my teammate do something and I buried my head in my hands and said what the heck did he do that for that's a penalty so the old kiss theory keep it simple stupid is the way I worked and basically I gave you 100% every night I skated hard I was honest and I did the best I could and when I made a mistake which happens I would own it. And primarily the directive right. of making mistakes is don't make too many. Don't be apologizing too much. Go out there and do your job. And the players <laughs> right, reacted yeah. accordingly. So I, I was the guy that had the reputation of letting players play. And I knew that the fans wanted to see the players play. I had been a player, but more importantly, Uh, I think a lot of people misunderstood my natural enthusiasm and my love of the game as being a hot dog. And I wasn't that at all. And I I take, I take exception to that. 
because I love sure. being out there and I enjoyed myself. And just because I was smiling and I was happy didn't mean I was trying to take the show away from Gretzky, Bork, or Lemieux. Right, right. I think a, a big source of frustration is how, uh, you know, goals are called back because of lengthy offside reviews, goaltender interference reviews. Do you think that kind of takes away from the flow of the game, or do you think it's a necessary uh, kind of next step for the game just to, to get the call as right as possible every time, or should it be kind of more of a just how the game is called throughout the flow of flow of play? Well, the traditionalists who remember back prior to all of the replays and all of the cameras in the arena would watch a hockey night in Canada game or a channel 38 game. And there were three cameras and there weren't overheads and there weren't side views and there weren't cameras that were giving you not only the, the picture, but also the sound. And a lot of the things that are happening now are just signs of the time. We all need to right. adjust. And the fact is that everything in hockey has been a learning process and a curve. And since I refereed, many, many things have happened. I was the first official along with Kerry Fraser, Pat Tapuzo, and Kevin Collins to work a two-referee game in the modern era. But the more things mm -hmm. that change, the more they remain the same. My grandfather, who was an NHL referee back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, Oh, wow. They refereed two two referee and one linesman games. So the fact is that you have to learn, you have to grow, you have to adapt. And you think that, you know, you're a pretty savvy guy when you're out there and you're pretty smart. Well, show your smarts. But the main thing, and I've learned this over the years, is don't trust electricity and televisions and cameras and all that because those tools can fail. Mm. Maybe your eyes will play a trick on you, and maybe you think you saw something that actually you didn't. But the fact is that positioning sells calls. So if you skate well and you skate right. hard and you get into position, you won't have the issues that the officials are having now with replays on offsides and replays at the net. Now this is, of course, a Boston Bruins podcast, so I need to ask you a couple questions about, about the Bruins. Uh, I don't know how much you have watched of them since they came up to the bubble in Toronto, but uh, they got, uh, you know, beat pretty handily the other night by the Tampa Bay Lightning, second of a back-to-back -back in the playoffs, which is rare. Um, do you have any impressions of the team kind of um, – over the past couple of weeks and specifically in, in how they've been playing against uh, such a tough team in the Tampa Bay Lightning? Well, I think the general manager has put together a good hockey team. And I think the coach mm -hmm. is doing a good job with what he has. The game last night that went as far as it did and they, the linesman got in the way, it was, it was just a, right. a, a, a continuation of a series of bumbling things that happened. <laughs> The, yeah. the goals, the first two goals that were scored, they were within feet of getting it over the blue line, and they they made that extra dribble. And, mm. and there's one other thing that a lot of people may not see that I see is that the Tampa Bay team controlled the front of the Bruins' net. Several of the goals that they scored were in close, mm. tight, and on their, on their butts. And I think that if Boston's going to prevail, 
they're going to have to move the puck up and out because when it's up and out, there's no opportunity for danger. Play the game right. in the middle of the rink, get it up and out. Don't worry about making tape-to-tape to tape passes and just skate as well as you can from the red line into their end and get shots on the net. A lot of times they don't shoot enough, and I think that I, if I were coaching, I would have a rule of two passes a shot, two passes in, a, in their zone and a mm-hmm. shot. And I think that the increased number of shots right. create the opportunity, especially with the goaltender's equipment these days and the size of the players, that you want to have an opportunity to follow up with rebounds. Because a lot of the goals, and you saw them last night, the goals for Tampa were scored in tight off of rebounds and fellas falling and fellas getting knocked down. And I think that that's something that is more of a vestige of this game versus the game that we used to see back when Orr and and Hodge and all of those Espo were playing. Right. And um, just in terms of kind of the this current roster over the the team that won in 2011 or the team that I grew up watching was which was the uh, late 80s early 90s teams with Cam Neely and Ray Bork and even further back how, how do you rate kind of the the current um, current roster or the the team over the say the core over the last several years as compared to some of those older teams in the past that that some of our listeners may not have been able to watch well, I think the teams of the 60s and 70s with the Orr era and Esposito and that crowd had a great deal of personality. And, of course, they didn't wear helmets, so they were more easily identifiable. And then when you went into the mid-80s and 90s, this was a team that had the opportunity to to play well, and but they were up against teams that were just a, a smidge better. I mean, you think about Edmonton right. and you think about the great teams that they had and you think of the Islanders in the in the early 80s, and you 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 compare the Bruins in comparison to to them, and there was just a, a series of of situations where the Bruins just didn't have enough talent to go. The Penguins in, in there as well, yeah. Exactly. So when when you have Yager and Lemieux, two of the best players that have ever strapped on skates, and and that's not taking anything away from Bork, but you know, you 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 want to look at those things. The, this team, the Bruins of, of the present day, the one thing I notice about them is they're not as big, and and their defensive core isn't as 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 solid as far as physical strength in comparison to other teams. Which may be one of the things that explains why there were so many goals in tight last night. They have speed yeah. and they have skill, but they don't necessarily have size and they don't necessarily have the strength comparably that they can go nose to nose with other teams. And I think several years ago when the Bruins lost to St. Louis in the Stanley Cup playoffs, they they were out muscle. And I'm an advocate. I'm a big guy myself. And I, I'm an advocate of, of uh, if you're going to win or lose, you win with bigger people. And certainly when Chara right. was first here, you know, his 30 minutes, 35 minutes a game dominated the ice. And, of course, yeah. as it is with everybody, especially Cheese, as it gets older, <laughs> it isn't quite as, as as tasty as it was when it was younger. And, you know, I love I love right. 
Zdeno Chara. He's a great guy. I've known him a long, long time. But Father Time marches on. And eventually, even I played yeah. against Gordie Howe. I played against Bobby Hull. And I played against Frank Mahavlich. And I saw those fellows go from their greatness to, you know, being still good players, but not of the same character. And, and I think that, you know, Zdeno Chara has done tremendous things for this city he's a wonderful guy and I hope eventually when he does decide to hang him up that he stays around because character is hard to find Mm -hmm. yeah you mentioned some of those great players that that you've seen over the years and just as we we wrap up here is it um simple as saying that uh Wayne Gretzky or Mary Lemieux is, is the greatest player to have ever played the game or is there somebody else that stands out to you uh, whether from your playing days or your refereeing days, or even today, that that uh, kind of stands out as kind of the most talented or complete player that you've ever seen play the game. I think Wayne Gretzky was one of the greatest leaders that I ever saw on the ice. Okay. And he took Mario hmm. Mew in the 1987 Canada Cup and taught him how to be a champion just by his own Perhaps. display of talent on the ice and how he worked at it. And I think that Wayne Gretzky took players and had them overachieve and make, he made them into greater players. Charlie Huddy and other different players playing for, for Edmonton were good players, but they played that much better because of the way Gretzky led. I think Mario Lemieux is the greatest natural talent that I ever saw on a pair of skates. He mm. could do everything on the ice and he carried teams just by his own sheer strength. And yes, I don't think he's wrong about the fact that teams, you know, hung on to him and, and slowed him down, which, which is part of the reason why, why the game changed and the rules changed and, and, and the emphasis on interference and holding and hooking uh, became such that we see the game as it is today. But I think right. when you, I, I, I saw him do things that, and I've been, I was on the ice for a lot of great players, and I saw him do things yeah. that I don't think many other people could do. I, I looked at Yager, uh, and I saw in him, uh, you know, more moves than a can of worms. And, and he was a great player with such vitality and such enthusiasm. And, you know, it's a shame that a guy like him got older because you, you mm-hmm. look at him and you'd say, you, you know, you'd love to see him still part of the game. You look at a guy like Ray Bork that, was such a consistent and solid player and, and able to contribute to his team no matter where he was. And I, I'm, I'm glad that he had the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. A guy like him deserved yeah, for sure. to win a Stanley Cup. And then not to forget the emphasis on some of the players from the Russian uh, Hockey Federation that came here and played, including Larionov and Fatisov and Katsutonov, mm-hmm. and, and certainly over the years, and he didn't play in the NHL, but he was a guy that changed the game in many ways, was Trachek. And I think that, mm, right. long story short, as, as, as I am in my life now, uh, a fellow who watches and observes and can remember, I, I think that the game is different and it's not necessarily better, but it's 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 certainly entertaining. And I think along right. the way that you you have to appreciate the the skill and the athleticism of the guys that are playing. You give credit to the commissioner and 
and the, and the deputy commissioner and, and all of the, even the officials. And I, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's just a, a magnificent fact that when I joined the league and I can say this proudly, I, I played in the 16 league uh, with the WHA, but I played in only the 19 team league in the NHL. And now we have mm. 32 teams and we have right. players of color. We have players of diversity and we have all different types of people that are co- coming to the game. And I think it, it really proves that hockey's not only a great game, hockey's for everybody. And, and, yes. and I've been, I, I conclude with this, and I tell people this. I, I'm not too worried about the, the whole aspect of diversity and racism and all of that stuff, because in hockey, it's show me what you got. And there are only three colors mm. that we really worry about in hockey. White ice, red goals, and black pucks. The rest of yes. politics. Well, uh, Paul, I can't uh, thank you enough for, for taking some time to chat. For all about people should check. Uh, you know, they're in need of, of that help that, that you are subscribing to as well. And, um, yeah, thank you so much again for taking some time to chat. And all the best in the future, for sure. Best wishes. Same to you. Talk to you soon.